wbai.org. I'm Marcia Pendleton, the producer and your host. And tonight I am thrilled to welcome Rolanda Watts to the program. Rolanda is definitely a queen of all media. She is a producer, a radio and television talk show host, and an author, an Emmy-nominated journalist. Additionally, she is a motivational speaker, a stand-up comic, a voice actor, and an actor. And she is currently in rehearsals to make her off-Broadway debut in Sandblasted, a new play by Charlie Evans Simpson, directed by Summer L. Williams. And it is going to be at the Vineyard Theater, and it is a co-production with WP Theater. It will run February 6th through March 6th. For more information, you can go to vineyardtheater.org. And after saying all of that, I want to say welcome to Rolanda Watts. Well, hello. I am so honored to be here. Thank you so much, Marsha. I am really honored to be on your show and just so excited. Okay. Thank you. And it's Marcia. <laughs> oh, Marcia. I'm so sorry. It's okay. All right, Marcia. You know what? With a name like Rolanda, I should know better. <laughs> <laughs> I always say it's like Rolanda with an O in the middle, not an A, an O. An so o. I got it, Marcia. I will never do that again. Okay. Not a problem. <laughs> not a problem at all. We're just glad that, that you're here. Let's jump right into this and talk a little bit about your background. Um, some people may know you from your, your talk show. Um, other people may know you from um, some of your acting stints on television. Uh, some people may know you from uh, the fact that you're uh, an author, a best-selling author. Please fill in the blanks for us. Where are you from? <laughs> North, North Carolina. Yeah, I'm from Winston-Salem, North Carolina, mm -hmm. and I uh, spent my summers on Topsail Island, North Carolina, um, and and let's see, and then, let's see, then I went to Spelman College, that was Atlanta, I claimed mm -hmm. that little piece home, then I went to Columbia University for journalism in New York, so I claimed that home, then I had, you know, my news career, my talk show career was here in New York City, 20 good years in New York City, so that's home, then I went to L.A., Mm -hmm. Hollywood and did a whole stint there for 23 years. I never quite felt it was home, home. You know, it, I had a great stint there. I really, you know, did what I had to do there, started brand new careers. It was a new adventure, but I'm an East Coaster. You know, I need the Atlantic Ocean and New York City and a little Southern barbecue from North Carolina. So I had to come back East. Um, but it's it's um, it's been a journey, but home means different places. I think home really to me is North Carolina and New York. And um, so it's nice to, to be home. So that's where I'm from. But uh, yeah, have been a lot of, let me say, been around the world. Ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Done a lot of things and have enjoyed it from coast to coast for sure. And um, just happy to be back in New York after. 23 years in Los Angeles and nice to be back home. I read something about your, your parents being in academia. 
uh, your mother at Wake Forest University and your father, who was head of the Fine Arts Department at Winston-Salem State University. What was it like growing up with two academics in the home? And how did that shape your life for what you're doing now in the theater, specifically with your father, who headed fine arts? Because I know sometimes theater and music and all other um, things artistic are under fine arts departments. Well, I think the fine arts mean everything to me and humanity. I mean, fine arts is, is uh, it's everything about what it is to be human and to be here, to be being here. I think if you can leave your art um, and touch people the way that art can in so many ways, intellectually, entertainingly, informationally, um, it connects us. And I think that it is just, you know, I was listening to someone today, a young man, I mean, he must be in his 30s, and he said he grew up in the school system that had no arts. And I just, my heart just, oh, I just felt it in my chest, like I've been kicked in my chest. How could that happen? Arts is, is science. It's everything. And fine arts is so important. Now, my mother was in the medical school. Arts and science go together, many would argue. You know, you look at the Leonardo da Vinci's and the people who were great creatives who were, you know, they use science and art. And and um, and I think that 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 is something that needs to be inspired and, and fostered and, and farmed in some ways and appreciated and respected and continued. And I think there um, has been. Uh, a real breakdown in that. Yes, my parents were definitely educators in academia. And it wasn't just them, Marcia. It was my grandmother was a teacher. My aunt, my great aunt was a superintendent in the school system. In fact, one of my great, great, great grandfathers was one of the founders of Bennett College in Greensboro. In the base. Yeah. School. Well, she was a Bennett Bell. Well, my great, great, great grandfather um, helped found the college in the basement of his church. So education has always been extremely important to us. My father, my mother has an endowment to this day at Wake Forest University for the medical school, Bowman Gray School of Medicine, which, you know, I tell my youngsters, that's what Gray's anatomy was modeled after. But my mother, who was a um, an associate dean there was very influential in uh, getting more women and more minorities and, 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 and foreign students involved in being doctors. My mother is one of those people in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, who went over to, marched over to the medical school at Wake Forest. We lived right around the corner from Wake Forest. And I can remember the day back in the 70s, she marched around there and she said, my children have no no, not enough doctors in this town to look up to. You need to be perpetuating more doctors. And they said, well, come on in here. And she, they created a, a dean position for her. And there's an endowment in her name to this day. So yes, education has been very important. And my, my auntie, Maya uh, Angelo, who endorsed my book, Destiny Lingers, and who was a dear family friend for 35, 40 years, um, was also very much about education. My mother and and uh, my aunt Dolly were very instrumental in getting 
Dr. Maya Angelou to be a, a teacher at Wake Forest. So yeah, education has always been, you know, it, when I was growing up, it wasn't about whether you were going to college. It was what college you were going to. Right. As far as I wanted to go as far away as I wanted to go to UCLA so bad, get as far away from North Carolina as I could. <laughs> Mama was like, not today. <laughs> and so I went to Spelman. Um, I said, Liz Marcy, I said it was just far enough away that she wouldn't show up overnight, but she might, but, you know, with a little doggy bag, but, you know, but if I needed her to be close, but um, yeah, and and then, you know, uh, Columbia University's Graduate School of Journalism, I'm really proud to say that not only was I a news reporter, investigative news reporter in New York City, and for Inside Edition, but also, you know, I have a, a, a master's degree in the science of journalism. You know, I, I have come up from it from a different angle, and that's because of my education. Education means everything to me. And I know when I talk to my young people, and I know I sound Auntie Rowe, and I know I sound old school, but I don't care. I think education is important. I think you walk on this earth a different way when you're educated. I run a voice acting master class. And I, my motto for the class, the master class is when you're prepared, you're no longer scared. So education is preparation. You have to be educated. You have to learn. You can't run out here all willy nilly. You must be able to educate. So yes, the answer to your question is yes. I do believe it. I do believe, I do believe, I do believe in education. You are a master communicator. When did you know that you had this gift for communicating, for for telling stories? When did it become apparent to you? When did it become apparent to the village that raised you? Well, it's interesting you use the word apparent because (laughs) my parents recognized I I was reading at three. I was speaking in complete sentences at 11 months. I don't have children. I didn't raise children. Apparently, that's a big feat. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. People speak in months. I don't know about that. But they always talk about I was speaking in complete sentences at 11 months. And I remember um, our neighbors and friends would always laugh at me when I would come back from college or something. They would say, you were that little girl. You come over to the house with that little deep, raspy voice. And we'd say, Rolanda, would you like some juice? I'd say, no, I'd like Coca-Cola with some ice, please. <laughs> you know, it was like, it was like, oh, my God. It's coming out of an 11-month-old child <laughs> who was drinking Coca-Cola, you know. But, yeah, I've always been a, um, I think I think God put me here to tell stories, to tell stories that um, touch people, that move people. I've, you know, my stories have changed hearts, they've changed minds, they've changed laws whether it's being a journalist or a stand-up comedian or an actor or whether it's in plays or television or film, uh, even my stand-up comedy, it's all storytelling. And I think storytelling started back with, with that, that drawing on the cave wall, you know, Mm -hmm. storytelling is what unites us as human beings and ignites us as human beings, I think. And I think stories can lift us. You know, I'm a Southerner. When people said, how do you explain your talk show back in the 90s? And I said, well, it's a lot what we did down south on the porch or hanging clothes in the backyard. We talked about stuff. My my children going wild. 
My husband looked crazy. I think I look gambling problem. This was the stuff all on talk shows back in the 90s. But it was the same stuff that we talked about at home. So um, I've always wanted to create, in my terms of this endearment, a safe place to tell stories that are deep and not always pretty and are difficult and conflictual. And let me tell you, I've interviewed Jeffrey Dahmer's parents. I've gone into Rawway State Prison Lifers Group, gone into the, the Wetumpka Prison down in Alabama, talked to mothers behind bars, mothers who killed their children. I've talked to all of them. And to tell a story that can impact people, I think is so important. And I think there's so many ways that we do that. And I think that is the finery of our arts is how we tell our stories. At the end of the day, that's all we have mm-hmm. is our story. You know, Sidney Poitier, he probably had a lot of stuff, but we don't know what he, we know what his gift was, how his art touched lives, how they changed minds, how it changed hearts. And that's what my perpetuation of, of this existence called Rolanda has always been since I was 11 months old is to, listen, I used to, Marcy, my, I used to talk so much and tell so many stories. My father, you know, I got little kids go, and then, and then, and then, and my, my father would say, look, here's a tape recorder. Go in your room and just play on the tape recorder. Tell me the story, make up all the voices, give me the sound effects. And then after dinner, The family will get together and you can play the recording. I look at my life today, particularly as a voice actor. Mm -hmm. I'm Professor Wiseman on Curious George. I'm on Legos, Madagascar. I do gaming, League of Legends. (laughs) And that's what I'm doing. Exactly what I did at six years old for talking too much. Talking too much led me to a talk show. My life has been behind a microphone. And now I get to project on stage. And it's fascinating. My voice has always carried me where I got to go. It's a gift. You know, your gifts drag you. And my voice has always been one to attach to great stories. And and that's what I hope to continue to do. You talked about your dad giving you a tape recorder and a microphone and saying, go tell these stories and bring them back to us. What other kinds of moments are are like that in your life where something happened that, you know, placed you in a position to do some of the things that you are doing today or have done? Hmm. Oh, my gosh. I was telling uh, some of the young ladies on stage today uh, when I was at Spelman College, I was looking for my home girl from North Carolina to give me a ride home for Thanksgiving. And I was looking for her and they said, like, where is she? And they were like, she's over auditioning for something over at Clark College. I was a spellman. So I ran across campus and busted into the auditorium looking for my girlfriend to get a ride home. And the director, who was a faint, if anybody has been in theater down there in the AU Center, Joan Lewis. Oh, I knew <laughs> the famous and infamous Joan, Joan Lewis. Lewis. Yes. Okay, Lynn Whitfield's auntie. Let me just throw that in. Oh, my God. She was there and she was doing an audition. And she said, if you're going to bust in my audition, you're going to get on stage. And I was like, what? 
She said, you're going to get on stage. I was a theater arts major at Spelman and it was everything I could dream of. I was like, I was thrown into the fire. I got up there. She said, sing. I said, happy birthday to you. She, I was so dizzy and so crazy. And then they were like laughing at me. And I was like, this is the worst thing. I didn't know I was auditioning for Miss Adelaide in Guys and Dolls. So being dizzy and crazy and a little hot box girl kind of crazy was what kind of got me the role. That was where I connected with Spike Lee, who thought I was from Brooklyn. I'm from North Carolina, but I, I dreamed of living in New York. So I had a Brooklyn accent. The New York club down there gave me an honorary <laughs> adoption of a New Yorker. But that's where my, I met Yolanda King, Yoki. Um, Dr. Martin Luther King's daughter, who had a theater there, and she inspired me to act. And and Latanya Richardson was my big sister, who said, "You can do this." Sam Jackson was her boyfriend at the time. All these great actors, Bill, you know, um, Tom Tom Bird and Bill Bill Nunn, and all of these wonderful actors. And that is when the dream was really born, and I got to do that. Skip two, I do a talk, the news, the talk show, because there were no. Um, there wasn't a lot to, to do with, there were a lot of people who looked like me back in the day doing what I wanted to do in acting. And I fell in love with journalism and took that route. But I tell you what, you never know what can happen in life when you open yourself up to your dream. I mean, I was the little girl who since 12 years old watching Miss Adelaide on Broadway in 1970 something. And was struck by, I want to be an actor and wore a subway token around my neck. And my daddy used to give me a piece of steel wool and I would polish it and it would shine like 18 karat gold. Marcia, you remember back in the day when they had the the subway token and had the Y in the middle and it said on one side, it was 50 cents, Marcia. (laughs) And it said, at the time, I grew up in Philly. Oh, Lord. Well, let me tell you, it said on one side, New York City. And then you flip it over and it said, good for one fan. I said, okay, now, 12 years old, I would shine that thing till it shined like 18 karat gold. My daddy gave me a gold necklace. I wore that thing till I finished college, went to Columbia Journalism School, and then told my daddy I was really there to be an actor. Went to one cattle call, couldn't take it. I said, I'll be back later. Fell in love with journalism, took that whole route. Then went to Hollywood, became an actor, and did film and television. And it's so exciting to come back home to New York and and still continue film and television, but to to be accepted in the stage community and the theater community is just beyond belief. To find your tribe in the the theater community is like no other. And we welcome you with open arms. Very exciting to have you here in that capacity. What makes you say yes to a project? You know, I have come to a time in my life (laughs) where (laughs) my motto is, if it ain't fun, I ain't doing it. Okay. If it ain't fun, I ain't doing it. Because when you're happy and it's fun, then the money comes, the opportunities come, you're happy, you feel like you're really contributing. And um, I, I, I also really like projects that um, speak a lot to the human yearnings that we have. Uh, I love drama. I love comedy. I think they spoke 
I, I think they both speak explicitly to the human existence. And that's what drama's all, that's what, <laughs> look, comedy and, and tragedy, that's what drama's all about. That's what life is all about. And I just love exploring that um, in so many different ways, whether it's writing a book as in Destiny Lingers, which I'm so happy you mentioned that Dr. Maya Angelou endorsed and is coming out in an audio book very soon. Um, but whether it's stand-up comedy, I talk very truthfully, you know, in the stand-up comedy arena, I'm usually the oldest person in the entire freaking theater. <laughs> <laughs> definitely on the stage and I'm a woman of a certain age and I talk about very real stuff and I think that um this is a time when I'm at a time in my life where listen I told my girlfriend Marcia I said well I'm so excited I'm moving to a new place I'm trying new things in my middle age she said middle age (laughs) people you know 124 years old I said, what can I say? You know, it's it's like what you know, you're dating on that site called Our Time. You know why they call it that, Marcia? Why? Because our time is almost up. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta move fast. You know, they didn't you didn't want to be a fast girl, but you better move fast these days. <laughs> I know, Marcia. I'm taking this conversation in a whole different direction. I'm sorry. <laughs> It's really, it's really okay. It's really okay. We all need to laugh. We definitely all need to laugh. What is sandblasted about? <laughs> oh my gosh. It's such a journey. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's about these three, well, it's really about these two young women who are very perplexed and agitated and anxious about growing older. And they have no one to tell them what that journey is about. Mm-hmm. And they find Ada, who I play, who, you know, it's they're traveling. You know, think of the little theater of the absurd, if you will. <laughs> little Ionostic, Ionesco. <laughs> but they're traveling the sands. And this is very metaphoric if you think about uh, the sands of time. And they're searching for Ada. And Ada, the character that I play, is a celebrity wellness guru. You know, she's like that one, but she's retired. She's tired. She needs to focus on her own needs and herself. And these girls come chasing her because they want the answers to all of the questions of life. And Ada has a chance to aid them or not. Mm -hmm. And the journey is for all of them. And at the end, I think they recognize that as we hear so many times in life, it's not the destination, it's the journey. But isn't that the truth? And I think as we get older, we recognize those things. And those are the gems, I think, that we can pass to young women. Um, they, are, they are contemplating uh, mortality, but we won't say that. They start with, there's a wrinkle on my lip. I found a gray pubic hair. The little things that we know, but they are freaked out about. And it is about dealing with the anxiety of being a woman living this life. And we don't get, as my girlfriend reminded me, mm-hmm. 124. Now, we suspend time in the play. So we're any age we want to be. But the bottom line is that 
it is their my wisdom that they are seeking, not because I'm a wellness guru, but because they want to be healed by the connection with a human who's, who has experienced being a woman in a body that is aging in a time that she is both invisible and visible. Yes. All of those things that we deal with. And I relate very much to this play, very much to the story because I deal with my nieces and nephews and godchildren that I'm constantly, you know, trying to drop some science on (laughs) whether they listen or not. (laughs) Marcia, you know, they got two ears, stuff go in, stuff go out. But they all relate to some of the stuff we tell them. Mm -hmm. Exactly the way we did when our elders tried to speak truth to us. It's like, what are they talking about? They don't know what they're talking about. But now you know. Now you know. And especially when they get to a point where they come seeking us. Mm -hmm. And this is a story about them. And then we all learn something. No matter what your generational situation is, your human situation demands that you make connections. And so we connect on friendships, on loss, on grief, on what it's like to be in a woman's body at all stages of ages. You know, they're dealing with stuff I don't, I ain't dealt with in 10 years. I don't know what they're talking about. What they talking about? I don't know what they're talking about. Oh, that look, that shoot, please. That ain't got nothing to look. <laughs> a little something once a month ain't got nothing to do with dealing with what you got to deal with at a 50. <laughs> But it's real talk, and I love it. I love it. How did you manage to come to the table for this production? How did you find out about this role? Well, my magnificent agents, Jonathan and Perry, over there at Bookwald Talent Agency, um, it said that I had an audition. Uh, auditions are very different today in the midst of COVID. I, I was I was elated. Number one, because this is everything I dreamed about coming back to New York. But also uh, in this time, I, I, I appreciate and want to work with people who are brave and warriors and going to say, not today, Satan. We still getting this art out here, mm-hmm. you know, and we have COVID tests every day and all of that, all of that. But um, I, I want to do a shout out to Perry and, and Jonathan and, and all the folks at Buckwald. I want to thank Kelly Gillespie, who was the casting director who casted me. Uh, you can tell I'm in New York City. I love the sirens going by. Yeah, absolutely. Not as a voice actor, but I, it adds texture and flavor. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just want to thank, you know, and I, and I of course, want to thank Charlie and, and Summer. And, and all the folks at, at uh, the Women's Project and, and the Vineyard who were so wonderful and gracious to hire me, <laughs> it really has been a tremendous, tremendous uh, uh, moment of gratitude for me. And I'm, 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 I'm going to deliver. What has the collaborative process been like for you thus far, working with the other actors? And please tell us, who the other people are that you get to play with on stage and what is it like to work with Charlie and Summer? Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, you know, you can't deny brilliance. You just can't. You've got um, Summer who is Summer L. Williams is her, is her professional name. And she is making her New York debut out of Boston, making her New York debut. 
she started a theater company at 19 years old in Boston. This is the kind of, of, of brilliance I'm dealing with here. It's just amazing. Charlie, Charlie Evans Simpson already won an award. The, the Women's Project has already given her the big nod. Uh, giving her an award and this is her presentation it's 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 just amazing i'm working with my spellman sister uh Brittany belazier who is who is playing angela in the play and also marinda anderson who is playing odessa in the play and andy who is playing jamal and it's the four of us and we are doing it we are bringing those scenes to life but it's like it's it's a journey and it's um it's uh what I picked up this phrase that Charlie has put in her script. It's called magical realism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a kind of piece on uh, magical realism. I was introduced to that term uh, a long time ago. Uh, yeah. I was on the subway today and I said, this is magical realism. <laughs> you know, I'm starting to apply that to my life. There's a lot of stuff today that you just look at and go, it's magical realism and calm down. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, What is it, what is the difference for you in collaborating with someone in film or television and collaborating with someone in theater? Is it the same? Is there are there differences? And if so, what are they for you? Oh my goodness, it's so different. It really is. It's it, well, first of all, you know, the live audience is is just so wonderful. And that's what I love. And that's um that's where I started as a theater arts major at Spelman. And even before Spelman, I did a lot of community theater in Winston-Salem. And so stage has always been my first love. And even when I did my talk show, the Rolanda show for four seasons in New York City. I loved being on stage. It was still a stage performance. And I would warm up the audience in between takes and and before the show or in between. And that was where my stand-up comedy got some work too. So stage has always been um, a, a draw for me. And I love live audiences. And in fact, my Emmy nomination as a news reporter was for live news coverage. I love live. I love disseminating information or entertainment live to you in real time. That is just something I adore doing. And so that, that has always been my, my uh, attraction. And then just getting a great project like Sandblasted. I mean, you just can't beat that to be able to have this type of message and this type of, um, of storyline and and to work with these wonderful folks. And I must say, I'm probably the oldest person in, in the theater when we go to rehearsal. I don't care. <laughs> Look, because I got some gems to drop. And this, and I can't believe such a young woman wrote this, this uh, Charlie wrote this script because she really taps into some real realities of all generations and what it is to exist as a woman and particularly a black woman. Um, they, we have generational traumas. We are not always well glued. We fall apart. We crumble and we hold upon each other. You know, what Rihanna was singing in that song, You Needed Me. You know, it's sometimes you, you can take a romantic song like that and it's just not about a boy and a girl or whatever a love relationship might look like to you. Sometimes it's like, 
you know, I needed to reach out and know that there was a hand there for me while I'm going through life's journey. Because, you know, at some point we're all going through it. And whether you're crumbling or falling apart, it's always about dealing and facing these truths that life presents us and always having that bond of faith or friendship or a good song or something to keep you grounded. So as Ada would say, you live long enough, you learn, you figure out how to survive, you figure out your strengths, you figure out how people need you, want to see you, you figure it out and you get up and you keep moving. And that's what life is about because, you know, we're all going through it. And I think this uh, sandblasted really answers to that. It really answers to um, that need of connection during these sands of time. And it is a wonderful piece. And I hope folks will come out who are in New York and come out and see it because we're going to start our previews on February 6th and we're going to run through February 27th and we're going to open on February 27th. But you can come and get a sneak peek uh, February starting February 6th. But it is just such a magnificent piece. And I'm so grateful and I'm so honored uh, to be part of this process and to be an elder. You know, Marcia, there's something about being it. I am proud to be an elder. Mm-hmm. I, I could look, I could lie about my age, but you know, they, they talked about my age in the press for a long time back when I was 20. So I could, you know, that they, they could Google me. I'd rather be known as a, 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 a elder, a, a mature woman than a liar of her age. <laughs> okay. You've spoken about uh, who Ada is in, in this piece. What do you do? What are you doing to get prepared to inhabit her? What has that process been like for you? I think it's been being open to what the story and what the writing already tells you and and connecting that with the realism of my life, the magical realism of my own life. I mean, Ada is someone who has been in the public eye and is exhausted sometimes by it because she has to go and take care of herself. And I think that's a general universal song among women that we give and give and give so much that sometimes we have to retreat and do what's best for us. Ada is also someone who is always moving, always traveling east, west, doing, always looking for something new. And that can be a wonderful thing. It could also be not so wonderful. So I think that going through the 62 years of my life, mm-hmm. the journey has been, and literally east, west, literally uh, being 22 years old in the public eye and then being 62 years old in the public eye and what all of that in between is meant for the people who follow me. You know, that answer to being leaders, being a leader in when it, of, of living life when you're falling apart or, or you're crumbling. That has been my re, what my reinvention retreat is always about, what my voice acting masterclass talks about when people are looking for the next thing, when they are they're lost. They're crossing that desert and they need a hand. They need to understand that that it's okay, that you are grounded. You can feel crazy, but know you're grounded. And these are some of the the um, the wonderful, one might call rabbit holes mm-hmm. that we go down. And it's a, it's a wonderful psychological, emotional, uh, magical, realistic 
<laughs> journey. <laughs> but it, but I think that um, I think that every every person in the theater will be touched by um, watching these young and mature women and a young man who's in the midst of it all trying to figure out this thing called life as it moves the sands of time. You know, it's the days of our lives. These are the days of our lives, the sands of time. (laughs) But I think we all have this thing, you know, you call it mortality or you call it living, not just living or surviving, being, just being present. And I think that these are the struggles that we have to really enjoy our bodies while we have them to enjoy experiences and people while we have them, to not be so locked up in isolation, but to share our gifts and joy with others. And I think that's part of what life is about. We are heading towards that time when we are going to be finishing up this very wonderful conversation. I have not laughed so much today. (laughs) Thank you so very much for this this joy, this moment of joy that you have brought into my life this evening. And I'm quite sure that you have brought into the life of our listeners. What is next for you? Uh, I was unaware that you actually moved back to the East Coast. You're back here in New York. Welcome back. The tribe welcomes you back. Thank you. (laughs) What is next for Rolanda Watts? Well, you know, I was, I was so happy. My friend Richard Johnson put me on, I said, boy, I'm back in the media in New York. He put me, said, Rolanda's back in New York and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I just am so appreciative. I've been very blessed. Um, I'm so happy to be home. I tell you, it really is a wonderful, wonderful feeling. And to be honest with you, you know, the last time I was here, I was a news reporter, anger woman covering murder and mayhem and mobs and doing talk shows. And then I was gone for 23 years and did 20 movies and um, lots of sitcoms and dramas and stand-up comedy and wrote a novel. And and I'm really excited to bring those gifts uh, and those um, focuses of storytelling to the East Coast now and try something new in a new place. They call me the reinventionist, Marcia. And I take that as, I'm going to take that as some love. Because (laughs) you are the master of reinvention. So, and you actually teach people how to do that. Yeah, I coach a lot of people. I encourage people. I do workshops. If you're ever on Clubhouse, I have a club called the Reinvention Retreat. I also have another club called the Joys of Voice Acting. I teach a voice acting masterclass. It's a six-week intensive for those of you who are trying to reinvent yourselves and want to be a voice actor. Let me help you. Go to Rolanda.com, R-O-L-O-N-D-A.com, and you can hear all my voices and you can figure, you know, read all the details about the class, but I would love to help you. Never before have there been so many opportunities for folks with textured voices and a desire to break into the business. Uh, COVID opened it all up. You can have a studio right there in your home, learn from us pros how to do it. And so that's going to Rolanda.com. And um, let me help you if you're interested in being a voice actor. And I just find, Marcia, so many people have had so many dreams and they've been locked up in their their hearts, in their heads, and 
you know, don't don't end, don't end your life going. I should have. I should. I don't want any sentence starting off. I should have when I get to kick the bucket. And when I kick the bucket, I want them to know I am all used up. (laughs) I have used every gift God gave me. I've used every opportunity to help people and serve people as he asked me to do. And I can go on with glory with a smile on my face. But yes, this is um, this is a wonderful journey. Maybe Broadway is in the future. I just landed a role on Bull. For those of you who watch Bull, the CBS TV series, um, I will be playing Adeline Palmer, who is Chunk's mom. I'm playing moms now. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I, I play moms. I play grandmas. It's the world I live in. But you know what? There is something to embrace about being uh, the mature one on the set and on the stage. I think we have so much to offer, so much wisdom. There's nothing more to do with our experiences and things we've learned, but to share them with the next generation. We can't take it with us. There's no need to just put it up there six feet under or burn it in a a furnace. (laughs) I think it's important to leave it here on earth and let it perpetuate and grow like a garden in, in the hearts and the minds and the souls of our youth. And so I'm really honored to be working with this young group of young women. I'm really honored to be working with the Women's Project Vineyard Theater. And I'm so honored that 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 my mama called New York City has invited me back in her womb. And I'm so excited to be here. And Marcia, thank you so very much. And, and everybody, I appreciate you. Please follow me at Rolanda Watts, R-O-L-O-N-D-A. And um, on social media, my, my podcast, Rolanda On Demand. and and of course, sandblasted and bull and, and and let the children keep watching Curious George and Legos and Madagascar and Kung Fu Panda and all the rest. When I went to your website and I took a moment to watch Curious George, it was five minutes of being five years old again. Uh, of course. I really and truly enjoyed it. And it was wonderful to hear uh, you use your voice in that manner. What did you mean by textured voices? What does that mean? Black folk. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or, or, or Latino folks or gay folks mm-hmm. or Southern folks. You know, it used to be voice was all about being that middle America. You can't tell what you are. Not that people want who you are. Mm-hmm. They want your little accent. They want, if you got, I mean, if you listen right now to commercials and narrations and all these voices, raspy little voices, crazy little voices, you hear accents, you hear uh, all kinds of different uh, voices, but particularly minority voices, you're hearing a lot more. It is a it COVID has changed the game, open opened up the markets. BLM has affected a lot of things. COVID has affected uh, the Me Too mo- movement has affected things. So you're hearing a whole different kind of of, of connotation and, and texture, I, I believe, in voices in um, in your ear these days. Just start listening. You'll hear it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The day that I heard a commercial and I said, that sounds like, you know, wait, it really does. Yeah. And you don't have to, you don't have to speak like a broadcaster. You know, you talk like you're talking to your friend. I mean, they got Tiffany Haddish doing stuff. I mean, it's just like, it's just so, it's a different world today. Absolutely. 
I want to circle back to Sam Blasted just one more time. What do you want people to take away from experiencing the play? That they're not alone. Okay. That we all have these trepidations and anxiety about life living, um, trying to stop everything and just be present to, to really get back to being and not just how to survive. You know, that we're always on this rat race, this, this, this hamster wheel of trying to get someplace uh, sometimes. And sometimes that works and sometimes that doesn't. You got to know where you're going. You got to know who you are, what you expect of yourself, I think, is part of the journey. And understand that, yes, things do break down. Yes, mortality, that's the promise. <laughs> mm-hmm. But what are you going to do with the waiting time? You know, we, we deal with the whole waiting, the waiting. The, you know, the younger generation is, why do we have to wait so long? And I've been like, the, 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 the juice is in the wait. And that's the journey part. We know that because we're on the other side looking back, but we were the same way. <laughs> we were the same way. But I love the um, the importance of sharing knowledge. Now, you know, that's that's a going back to that education thing we talked about in the beginning. You can educate many different ways, not just in school, but just in our learnedness, our livingness, that sometimes it's okay to hold a young person's hand and say, baby, it's okay. Yes, your pubic hairs will turn gray. Your skin on your hand going to get so thin. And yes, your breasts are going to sag. And But you're still alive. And there's so much to give. And change is part of life. And let's do it. Let's keep getting up. Let's keep moving. Martin Luther King has that famous quote. And, I, I, you know, I don't want to slaughter it. <laughs> but it's it, the main thing is to keep moving, to keep moving, to keep creating, reinventing, you know, regenerating to keep life going, to keep being present in life. Understand what's going to hit you because <laughs> it's going to hit you. But being able to put that in a place of acceptability and um and 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 growth. We're all trying to what does that say the guru say be your best self. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Marcia. We have been speaking with Rolando Watts. She is going to be making her off-Broadway debut in Sand Blasted by Charlie Evan Simpson, directed by Summer L. Williams at the Vineyard Theater. It is a co-production with the WP Theater and... Performances begin February 6th. You can get more information at vineyardtheater.org. That's vineyardtheater, 